I get to introduce a very old friend because I'm so old, right? Like, am I old enough to say old friend? I feel like I am, right? Have I earned, I've earned that. 27 years old. <laughs> uh, my high school friend, Seth, we were in a death metal band together at one point. We would go mountain biking, get into all sorts of trouble. And, uh, yeah, good times. Lots of good memories with Seth. And so Seth in, in high school, uh, we were kind of crazy. He, re- he re- ended up receiving the, the Lord in that process. And now he's a missionary in Uganda. And his wife here, Diana, is, is as well. And uh, they, they've been in, Seth's been in Uganda for eight years. And Diana, since they've been married for three years ago. And so I'm really, really excited to have him here and to, to bring the word. I'm sure he'll, you'll hear some good, you know, Uganda stories. And, uh, but I know he's also got a message that's really on his heart for you guys. And it's something that I feel like the, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to move today. So, Seth, why don't you come on up? I'm going to give it over to you. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Can we also just clap for Stephen for being awesome? Uh, I... Um, when I was 16 years old, um, I got in a really big uh, mountain biking accident, and it's how I actually came to receive the Lord. And I was stuck in a hospital bed for uh, a number of months, and uh, I had to kind of learn rehabilitation of walking and talking. I didn't know the Lord up to that point. And throughout that season, there was a kid from high school that I didn't know extremely well before this, but he, I don't know if he liked my mom's food or what it was, but he came to my house every single day. And uh, he would just come hang out with me. He would eat food with me. Uh, we would watch funny movies. I would laugh until like a stitch came out of my head and we had to like simmer down a bit. And uh, uh, he, he, he showed me the love of Christ in a really practical way. And that was, that was Stephen uh, Montgomery. And a large reason for me serving the Lord today is because he... He went out of his way, and I, I, I asked him, I don't know if it was an intentional effort on his part, or he was just hungry, or what it was, but um, his, his uh, practical love to me during that season, um, uh, when I had the opportunity to get saved, I responded largely in part because I had seen uh, what Christ looked like through another person, and so, um, uh, can we just clap for Stephen for being awesome, and uh, uh, clap for Jesus for being, being awesomer? Um, and so I, this is just, this is kind of surreal for me to be here. Um, I, uh, years ago when Stephen first was planning the church, he sent me an email and um, uh, even asked me to come, come in, uh, uh, be a part. And I was already in Uganda. And to see, standing here today now, and to see what has been, been happening yesterday on the outreach, um, last night we met with the leaders, it's, it's a really, really, really cool to see what God is doing here in Austin. And um, I said this last night, but I, uh, all the... All the pieces are in place, I think, for God to do a really big thing um, through and in Austin Chapel. And um, I would just be so ready for this next season. Um, there, are, there are plowing seasons, there are planting seasons, and there's also there's harvesting seasons. And um, yesterday, as we were on, on outreach, um, just walking around the community, talking to people, um, you can tell that, that, that Austin is really ripe for, a, ripe for a harvest. And I think uh, at the forefront of that is going to be this church and this place. And so um, I just want to, as we start this morning, just to kind of just pray for, um, pray for that, because I think um, uh, uh, the Bible, the Bible says that, you know, God is, God is willing. The harvest is plenty, um, but the harvesters, the laborers are, are few. 
And when I look around in this room, I see a lot of people that are, are able um, to bring a lot of people to the Lord. So as we start this morning, um, I just want to pray specifically for, for that, uh, of just that um, what was started yesterday, what's going to happen in December, um, in this next season, that there would be a, a large influx of, of newly saved um, people that aren't coming because it's a cool place, but because they saw Jesus in some of you, and they would say, you know, I want, I want what that is, because that's, that's how I got saved. I, I, I met... Um, Jesus through another person, and um, we're all carriers carriers of that. So uh, let's just pray this morning as we start. Father, I thank you so much for Austin Chapel. I thank you for this this place. I thank you for this morning. And God, I just pray um, in a special way that this season would be a season of of, of plentiful um, harvest. God, I pray for each person that's here this morning that um, throughout this next week, this next few months, as we go into the holidays, there would be a, a, a Holy Spirit awareness inside of us, God. When we when we look at people, when we would see families, when we would see needs, there would be a, an awakening inside of us that would say, um, nobody else is going to go and talk to that person unless I do. And, and there would be a, 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 an almost a, a job, a, a description that would come upon us as those that would be carriers of the gospel. And Father, I just pray that this next season, we would see with our own eyes um, people getting saved and coming to church, not because somebody else invited them or there was a Facebook invite, but because we personally went and said, you need to, you need to come and see what, who Jesus is and, and what he's doing. And so Father, I just pray this next season would be a, a a supernatural, just um, awakening of people. Um, this place would become full and flooded, um, but largely in part because uh, we responded and said yes to going and getting them. So God, I just ask that you would um, you would do it. You would, and this morning as we, we spend time in your word, you'd open our hearts, open our minds. Uh, may we see you. May we hear from you. Uh, may Jesus be so real to us this morning. And may we leave changed um, by your presence and by your word. Father, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so, so yes, uh, my wife and I are in, in Uganda. We've been there for eight years. Um, uh, a uh, number of years ago after I got saved, I went on a mission trip and on that mission trip, um, I, I saw one of the first people get saved, um, because of me stepping out in faith. And, and once that happened, um, I felt the Lord say, um, I'm, I have a call to the nations. I know I did what that looked like. Um, I did an internship after high school, um, uh, one of the guys I was living with had a connection in Uganda. I moved there for it was supposed to be a very short season, and that short season has now turned into eight years, and uh, it's really, really, really cool to see. Um, we, we legitimately see um, hundreds of people a year come to know the Lord and get saved, and um, it's because... Just like this church, our church has a heart for evangelism, a heart for outreach, and um, people go out, they, they share their life, they share the gospel, and people come in and they, and they get saved, and um, I, I don't know about you, but um, when I, I can think back when I got saved, and there was a, a noticeable change from before I knew Christ and after I, I, I met Christ. There was, a, there was a shift. There was something that happened in my, in my heart, in my life. And when you can see that happen in another person, um, that's the most life-giving thing you can, you can imagine. And um, uh, I, uh, kids are loving it. I know, I know they can hear this. Um, but uh, when I, I remember when I led the first person to the Lord uh, and the person got saved, it was this, I mean, it was better than, than anything. It was better than, than smoking. It was better than alcohol. It was like, this is what it means to really be alive and to feel something come alive inside of me. And so um, I'm just so excited for you guys, and I, I can't wait for this, this next season. Um, okay, we're talking about 
uh, free in free indeed. And uh, this is this is such a great topic because I think um, if there is a uh, an aspect of the Christian life that really marks us as Christians, it's, it's freedom. Um, if you look around our, our society, look around the world, there are, there are people that, that, that you can just see the bondage on their face. You can see what it looks like for someone not to know Christ and to be led or to be imprisoned by something that they can't, they can't control. Um, our, our culture, our, our world, um, uh, the devil's really having having his way with them. I mean, if you look around, alcoholism, pornography, uh, immorality, um, uh, theft. I just, Stephen was telling me about your guys' trailer getting stolen. I mean, there is, there is, there is uh, undeniable evidence that, that, that the world is, you know, there's something at work there. And what makes a Christian different is that we have the opportunity, and I'll say the opportunity because not all Christians walk in freedom, but we have the opportunity as Christians to be not just free, but the Bible says free, free indeed from sin, where, where we are no longer in bondage to the things that once kept us, but we are, we are walking in freedom um, because, of, because of Jesus. That's what he, he gained for us on the cross. He, he died on the cross, and the Bible says that in that moment, the ground shook, the, the, the heavens became dark, the veil that separated us from his presence was torn, and there was, a, there was an overcoming that happened. And three days later, uh, as we celebrate Easter, you know, the, the grave was open, Jesus Christ raised from the dead, and there was a, a newness and a freedom, an overcoming of, of that thing. And, and what I love about, about Christianity is we worship a God that is... That is alive. Um, all of the religions, I can take you to their grave sites and you can see where they're buried, but Jesus Christ is no longer in a tomb. He's, he's alive. And the Bible says because he's alive, you and I can be, you and I can be alive. Uh, because Jesus raised from the dead, he can give life even to our, our mortal bodies. And um, it's, a, it's an opportunity, opportunity for us um, as, we, as we walk. Uh, Psalm 16, verse 5, uh, one of my favorite verses, but says this. It says, Lord, you alone are my portion of my cup. You make my lot secure. Uh, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Can you turn to your neighbor and say boundary lines? And you have to help me. Um, in Uganda, we, we're a very loud culture. We shout. We, we holler. We, we say amen. Uh, Hanky started in Uganda. I mean, I think... I think we went on the forefront of hankies. Our, our, our people literally raise chairs when they get excited. And so um, uh, I'll show you a video at some time. But you have to, you have to help me or I'm going to fall asleep. So uh, Boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be be shaken. And um, what I want us to hear this morning is that part of being a Christian, part of having freedom, is actually having, having restrictions. The Bible uses the word boundary lines, and um, I'm going to use some of, these, some of these chairs. But if any, of you, if any of you have ever been a farmer, or even you have your yards, you have a, a delegated place that you've purchased, or you're renting, or someone has given you, um, and your fence line or your whatever it is, that's your, that's your, that's your boundary. And the Bible says when we get saved, when we, when we enter in to the purposes of God for our life, we step into, the Bible uses the word inheritance. We step into the place that God has for us. But inside of our inheritance, there is a, there is a boundary place around us, not for our 
Not for our limitations, but so that we can live in the fullness of what God, what God has for us. There are, there are things that God places around us to, to protect us. Um, uh, my wife and I are expecting our very first, very first child. Uh, isn't she the most beautiful pregnant woman you've ever seen? Uh, tied with Melissa for Stephen's sake. Uh, but I, I, I've been, I don't know. Now that we've been, we've been expecting, I, I, I say we're expecting, I'm not I'm pregnant, even though I look like I'm pregnant, I'm not pregnant at all, Diana is the, is the pregnant one, but as we've been going to people's houses that have, have young children, um, I've been noticing more, I think, what I need to do to my house to make it safe, but, but, but you know, Stephen, at the top of their stairs, they have a, um, a closing gate, like, for herding cattle, there's a, there's a, there's a door they close that, uh, uh, their, their little son cannot get past. There's, there's a boundary place. Um, we were at someone's house the other night, and they have literally every corner in their house is like bubble-wrapped, saran-wrapped. Uh, it looks terrible, but I'm sure that kid could literally throw himself on their walls and not get hurt. It is, it is protected. But there is a, a boundary, and, and, and boundaries are placed not to restrict us, but they're placed for our, for our safety. And the, and the Word of God, the Bible, lays out very, very many um, boundaries for us of lines that we're not to cross, not because the Lord wants to hinder us, but because the Lord actually wants us to live in the fullness of what He what he has for us. And um, there are boundaries the Bible places, but there's also boundaries the Holy Spirit places in each of our lives. Um, the Bible uses the word convictions. And, um, you know, I have certain boundaries that you may or may not have. There may be things that the Lord has asked me, Seth, you cannot go across that place. And for you, it might be okay to go across. But there are things that the Lord has set for us. And very often as Christians, we, we look at our life and all we allow ourselves to see are the things we can't do, and we don't ever allow ourselves to see all that the Lord has, has given, us, given us to do. And so we spend our entire time focused on, I can't do this, and I, and I can't do this, and, and, and maybe I, I could. And I've talked to so many Christians that don't even just look at it, but they start to um, try to find ways of how they can get close enough to the boundary line without actually going over. And it's the whole focus is on this limitation and very often we don't realize that yes there's a line but there's also the fullness of all God that that he's he's given us and if we would allow the Lord to take our eyes off of the limitations and to be put on all that he's given us I promise you the fullness of God doesn't even compare can't even come come close to to what this little tiny tiny thing is. God's fullness is so much more than what what we can't do, and um, and and those boundary lines that they're, they're there to, to 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 protect us. And um, I don't know about you, but I've had many seasons in my life where I have I have gone over in my head the moments and the things of how close I could get without actually crossing crossing the boundary line. No, I can, I can do this as a Christian and still call myself a, a Christian. Or um, I've had young people come and talk to me and say, you know, is it sin if, or, or is this really, the Bible doesn't really mention, you know, this sin specifically. And we, and we can come so close to the boundary line. And what I found in my own life is if I live on the edge, it, all it takes is one slip. And I am, I am so far past the line that's set, and it's a huge, it's a huge issue. But if we allow the Lord to 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 
take us into the fullness that we have, even if we stumble or if we fall, it's, it's, not, it's not a big thing because we're in the, the grace of the Lord. He can pick us up. The Bible says a righteous man may fall seven times and, and he'll get back up. But so often, because we live so close to the edge, even the smallest thing ends up being ends up being the biggest thing because we're, we're living right there on the, on the edge. And I would just encourage us this morning, if you are one who would, this last season has been living on the edge in some areas, um, I believe the Lord this morning wants to just open our eyes to the fact that, that focusing on that thing is not going to get us, get us anywhere. The Lord would want to give us freedom to not just move away from that, but to be so far away that we don't even... We don't even think about it because all that we have is what the Lord's, the Lord's set in front of us. And um, the whole, you know, overcoming sin thing, you know, if I were to say, don't think about the pink elephant, you know, the very same thing you're going to start thinking about is, is the pink elephant. And, and what you focus on is what your, your heart gives attention to. And um, overcoming sin and living free is, 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 is not focusing on not overcoming that thing. It's, it's focusing on the one who gives us strength to overcome. It's focusing on Jesus. And um, the Bible says we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised its shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. That's, that's, our, that's our focus. And if we can take our eyes off of these things, the Bible says that they so easily entangle us and fix our eyes upon him, these things that used, once seemed so strong, um, we can actually have freedom over, not just for a season, but, but lifelong, complete, complete freedom. And I know that's what God wants for each of us. And that's my prayer for us this morning is, is freedom. Um, but freedom within, within boundaries. Uh, can you say amen? amen? You have to help me out. Is this, is this good or is this, is this terrible? I don't know. So, uh, anything outside of, let me define sin for us for a moment. Anything outside of God's boundary is sin. Anything outside of what God's will is, is, I'm gonna, this morning I'm going to define as, define as, as sin, um, as, as we go. Um, I don't know about here in, in the United States, but in Uganda, this last season, I have heard a, 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 a distortion of the word, of the word grace. And, um, there has been an influx of preachers that have, um, really been preaching an, uh, an incorrect understanding of, of, of grace and have um, almost turned grace into a license uh, to do wrong things and a license to sin. And um, uh, grace, we, 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 we live by the grace of God. Grace is how we're able, I, I, trust me, if you, knew, if you knew more of my story, I am standing here, Stephen is standing here today uh, by, by the grace of God. I mean, we, are, we have been saved by grace, we have been forgiven by grace, um, but grace is, is, is the God-given ability to do the things he's called us to do, not the God-given ability to do the things he's not asked us, asked us to do. Philippians 2 said, says it's God who works in us both to will and to do according to his, his good pleasure. And the grace of God enables us to live sin-free. Grace never enables us to live to live sinful. And so, um, uh, uh, as we're living a sinless life, it, it is by grace, but grace enables us to live, to live correctly. Um, but I want to just spend a few minutes this morning in, in, uh, a very sad story, but, uh, but God's in it and there's redemption in the end. Um, but if you have your Bibles, you can turn to second Samuel chapter 11. Um, and this is the story of, 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 of David and, uh, Bath, Bathsheba. Um, and, uh, David was a man who God anointed and gave him some really, really good inheritance and some really, really good boundaries. Um, 
He was given the entire kingdom of Israel. God had saved him from the hand of his enemies. God had given him a palace. God had given him the Ark of the Covenant. God had, God had blessed David with everything that you could ever imagine. And, and God had also set boundaries for David's life. But we're going to see that David allowed himself to, to allow his eyes and his focus to be shifted off of God's purposes. And he began to look at the the line a bit. And he didn't just look at the line, but he went, he went over the line. And I want to see David's journey from this place of freedom to a place of bondage and how he actually got out of freedom again. Um, but I want to fast forward a little bit to, um, second Samuel 12 verse seven. And, um, this is after David had fallen into sin. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but I want you to hear what, 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 what God told David. I want this to be our word for us today. Um, this is, this is God kind of pleading with David and just asking the question of why. You know, why Why did you feel like you had to go across that line? Like, what I gave you, wasn't it, wasn't it enough? And this is 2 Samuel 12, 7. He says, I anointed you king of Israel, and I saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house, his wives, the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And had that not been enough, I would have given you so much, so much more. There was an abundance um, at hand that was offered to David. But um, I, I don't know about you, but I've, I've seen in my own life, sin always tries to act as if it's better than what God, what God has for us. And sin is always a distortion of what is actually godly and what is actually, actually good. Um, uh, pornography or sexual sin, it's a, it's a, it's a twisting of something that's actually actually godly and it's 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 supposed to be fulfilled in the context of marriage but the devil says you know it's it's better in this way or it's better in that way and and there's there's a loss of focus but but god told david you, i would have given you more than than you had you know what what was it that took you off of that thing and and david had allowed himself to not look at the fullness of god but to look at his his limitations um and he, he got distracted so so what happened what what how did david David, get off that, 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 that path. The first thing is this, if you're taking notes. You can write that sin, sin always starts with, with distraction. Um, David allowed himself to get distracted by something that could not even be compared to what God's fullness, fullness was. Um, David, David had a purpose that God had set before him, and David allowed himself to get distracted off of that, off of that purpose. Um, can I say this morning, everyone in this room, you have a, a purpose um, in, in serving the Lord. Um, I, I, I can't tell you what that is. God won't be the one to tell you, but I know for a fact that each one of us have been created with a purpose, a divine, special reason why you were created. You were not an accident. You were not a, a by the way. God doesn't make mistakes. He didn't sneeze one day and go, oh gosh, there's Stephen. What am I, on earth am I going to do with him? I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. God is purposeful in all that he does. And if you are breathing air today, seated in these seats here in, in beautiful Austin, Texas, I know for a fact that God has a purpose for your purpose for your life, um, and that's not just a next month purpose, a next year purpose, a next season purpose. It's a it's a today purpose. I believe if you would allow the Lord to speak to you today, as you leave this place, there would be something purposeful that God would have you have you do and use you for. Um, and and there is there's a purpose that was set before you. And when we 
lose sight of that fact, when we lose sight of the fact that God has set us on mission, there's a purpose for our life, um, anything will come and it'll take our, take our attention. The next flashy thing, the next loud thing, the next cool thing will literally take our attention if we're not focused and purposeful on something. Um, I love food. Uh, I'm a, I don't know any other foodies, foodies here. I, I love food with a deep, a deep passion. Um, Stephen yesterday took me for took me for ramen, and I I don't know how many noises I made as I was putting those noodles in my mouth. But I'm a I'm a vocal eater. I I eat with this is so good. Mm, oh my gosh! I mean I, I it's it's an it's an overwhelming experience. But if I have my if I have my mind set on good food, like if, if Stephen were to say to me today, we're gonna go back to that ramen place. My eyes can be fixed upon it. If my eyes are fixed on ramen. I can drive by five McDonald's, six, six Wendy's, uh, seven Subways, and none of them will even take my eye because my, my mind is set on ramen. I know, I know what I'm going for. But how many of you know if you don't have a purpose, you know, the Bible uses the word wandering, the, mo- the food you wouldn't even think about even touching See, somehow seems appetizing. If you're just wandering, you're, you have a hungry stomach, you can be walking and... 7-Eleven food is terrible. Let me just, let me preface this and say anything from 7-Eleven that's not like a Red Bull or prepackaged is, is, is not safe for eating. But if you're, if you don't have a purpose and you're, you're walking, you know, I can move by 7-Eleven and there's those, those, whatever they call them, chiquitos or whatever, sitting in the window and they're, they're spinning on that belt. And I can, I know in the back of my mind, this is a terrible decision. And in two hours, I'm going to be seated somewhere thinking, reminded of how terrible a decision this is. But if I don't have a purpose, I'm drawn to it. And I'll say, you know what? Taquitos are, <laughs> you know, these, these are mine. And, you know, the little donuts and the apple pies in the bags, those are terrible. But, but if, you're, if you're purposeless, you know, anything, anything seems good. But if you're set with a purpose, these lesser things, they, they, don't, they don't grab your attention. And, and um, when it comes to living free, the fullness of what God has for you is, is your purpose. And if you would allow the Lord to daily and hourly focus your mind on that, these other things that pop up, they, they won't be attention grabbers because your, your mind is set on what God, what God has for you. Um, and, that's, and, that's, and that's freedom. That's, that's walking with, with purpose. Um, so, so David, David got distracted. Um, second Samuel 11, one says in the spring of the year, when Kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israel army to fight the Amorites. He sent other people to fight his battle on his behalf. David's purpose was to lead the Israel out, the armies of the Lord into battle for victory of the Lord. And David allowed himself to get distracted from his purpose. And he started delegated, delegating responsibility. Um, can I tell us this morning, nobody can fight your battles of sin for you. Nobody, nobody can go on battle on your behalf. It has to be you. I can't, I can't say Stephen's a pastor. Um, I'm struggling with pornography. Stephen's going to fight that battle for me. He'll he'll pray for me. You know, ah, oh, Stephen, can you lay? You know, I just I need some extra prayer. Or or I, nobody can fight your battle but you. And David allowed himself to get distracted and say, I'm going to send other people on my behalf. Will I sit? Will I sit behind? Um, he 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 delegated his his responsibility. Um, when distraction enters into your life, you you start to give away 
uh, jobs that you were supposed to do. You start to give other people responsibilities that were supposed to be for you. You start to give away ground that was supposed to be your, supposed to be your, your, your ground. The Bible says don't even give the enemy a foothold. Don't even give him an inch. And when distraction comes, I've watched in my own life, you can so easily give away things you've worked years for um, to other people and other things. Uh, nobody can fight your battle except, except for you. Second thing is this, in, in David becoming distracted, um, he, he, became, he became lazy. Second uh, Samuel 11.2 says, Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, he, he, he arose. What on earth was a king doing sleeping until noon? Um, unless you are pregnant, can I just say you shouldn't be spending till noon in bed uh, 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 sleeping. If you're young, if you're moving, there's a, there's, there's a gospel to be preached, there's a purpose. David was, was in bed, I don't know, eating grapes. I, I just imagine him on the, on the sofa, you know, eating grapes, uh, probably with like a loincloth. Just like, they're like, they're like there, was, there was nothing better to do than to sit in bed. Uh, David became, became lazy. When you lose sight of your purpose, laziness is right around the corner. Idleness, uh, uh, a sense of thinking, you know, I, I've got nothing to do. I have time. And uh, uh, I think many of us have heard, but, but, but idleness is, is the, devil's, the devil's playground. When, there, when you allow yourself to be purposeless, sitting around to your own thoughts, just looking for things to do, I promise you, one of those things that will come into your focus will be, will be something, something sinful. He, he became, he became uh, uh, lazy. Uh, uh, I want you to turn your neighbor and just tell your neighbor, Followers of Jesus can't be lazy. Matthew 28, when Jesus, is, when Jesus is leaving the earth, he tells his disciples, he tells his disciples to go. Go and, and make other, make other, other disciples. Um, Jesus, Jesus has only told his disciples to wait once, and that was when he told them to go and wait on him till the Holy Spirit came, and then they would be sent out and go before. And can I tell you, the Holy Spirit's come. There's no more, no more waiting. It's time, it's time to go. And uh, there, is a, there is a purpose. There is a, a community outside of these walls that need the gospel, that need Jesus. And if you have free time, what a better way than to go and share the gospel with somebody else. And I, I promise you, there is so much fullness in seeing someone get saved that you can't compare that to, to anything else. So David, David got lazy. Praise the Lord, none of us here are lazy. Uh, uh, we're moving. We're, we're going forward. Um, he got distracted. He, he allowed his eyes to begin, begin to wander. Um, uh, 2 Samuel 11, 2. So then he looked out over the city, and he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. I don't... <laughs> I... Uh, I, I used this verse a few, a few weeks ago, and I accidentally said unusual booty. Uh, unusual beauty, um, taking a bath. Uh, David, David was, looking, was looking for something to focus on. He, he had lost focus of his purpose, and he was allowing his eyes to wander and to look. If David was at war fighting his battle, he would have had no time to be on his rooftop looking for ways to ways to sin. Um, if your eyes aren't fixed upon Jesus and His purpose, um, I promise you the enemy will give you something to fix your eyes fix your eyes upon. And once that thing arises, it's very hard to look look away from. Um, 
Look at our, so our eyes need to be stayed focused on Jesus. And um, lastly, in his distraction, he allowed his distraction to turn into to action, which actually led to his, his destruction. Um, 2 Samuel 11, 4. It says, then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to his palace, um, he, he, he slept with her. Um, sin will always take you further than you ever wanted to, ever wanted to go. Um, I don't think when David sent someone on behalf to fight his battle, he thought within a short period of time, I'm going to be giving away my, my purity, my kingdom, my purpose. I don't think that was his plan, but he allowed himself to get distracted. And the moment you allow yourself to get distracted and sin starts sneaking in, sin will always call you further than you ever wanted, ever wanted to go. And, um, I've talked to many people, I've seen my own life, um, where you end up is never where you, where you wanted to at the beginning. Sometimes we think, you know, it's just, a. It's just a little line, you know, getting a little bit close, smelling it, tasting it, uh, looking at it. It's not that bad. I'm still within my boundary. This is, this is still okay. But can I tell you, when your eyes are focused on it, it's so easy to go further than you ever wanted to go. And David ended his day with, with committing adultery. We're going to see it went, it went so much further than that. And oftentimes we think that David just... He lost his, his purity. But I want to just give you a few things. This isn't an exhaustive list. But in that moment, um, what his sin led to destroyed in his life. Um, firstly, it, it, destroyed his, it destroyed his purity. And, um, you know, David himself wrote in Psalms 24, Who may ascend this hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a, and a pure heart. Who hasn't lifted up his soul to, to an idol. Um, David in a moment... Because sin was the focus, forgot about his own words and said, I'm going to throw away my, my purity. David, in a moment, he, get, he got rid of his purity. David committed adultery. Um, this was a, this is, this is, this wasn't, this wasn't just a large sin. This is a large sin. He, he committed adultery. He gave away his, 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 his purpose and his family. Um, David destroyed his, his character. Um, David was a man of integrity. The Bible said he was a man after God's own heart. But in a moment, David, David threw away his, his character. Um, can I tell you that your character is, is something that need, is worth being, being fought for? Um, uh, I love talking to older, older people. Um, we don't have any old people with us. But uh, I, I, I love talking to old people. But if you talk to old people 50, 60 years ago... Um, uh, agreements were made different than they were they were today. Um, uh, where I live, uh, where I think we're still a little bit in an ancient time, a handshake, your word goes goes a long way. Uh, but today, you you go and you make a deal, and there's there's contracts, there's witnesses, there's 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 blood, there's there's face recordings. There's like it's as if you can't trust you can't trust anybody. But can I just say that your character as a believer is so 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 important. Um, who you are, what you say, um, who you truly are when when the door closes, not just who you are in public. Your character is so 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 important and um, is worth being being fought for. Um, David David threw away his character. Um, he became deceitful and tried to cover his sin. Um, if you read the story further. 
The Bible says he, he, he started taking actions to try to cover up this wrong that he did. He, he called someone back from war. He ended up committing murder. He, this was a man who used to live his life out in the open, and now he's one that's hiding in his bedroom, trying to hide in, in private. Um, David was a man, his entire ministry, his entire life was built in the eye of the public. He killed Goliath beyond, in front of 10,000 people. They saw him. People sang songs about him. David kills 10,000. Saul kills 1,000. People were able to see his life. And because of sin, this public figure is now trying to hide hide his actions. Um, sin grows in grows in private. Sin sin flourishes in in secret. It, it, it grows in darkness. And uh, this once public man is now trying to hide his actions. Um, his integrity was gone. And destroyed his leadership. Um, David was called to lead people into righteousness. And we see throughout this story, David started to lead people into sin. He called Uriah back. And the Bible says he, he got, he told him, he forced him to get drunk so that he can convince him to go back to his house. The one who was supposed to be leading people into righteousness is now forcing his own people to drink and get drunk and, and eventually commit murder. Um, uh, his leadership was destroyed. He destroyed his influence. Um, uh, he destroyed another person, Uriah. Um, but the, the worst part is, is that he, he severed his, his relationship with, uh, with the Lord. Um, it goes on to say later in verse 27 of, of chapter 11 that the Lord was displeased with, with David. Um, uh, sin, the, 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 the worst fruit of sin is it, is it, is, is it breaks, it breaks our relationship with God and, um, one of the sad things about David is, is there was a, a season where David didn't even notice that, that his relationship was, was broken. Um, the Bible says he, after the, if you read the story more, he called Bathsheba back. He ended up marrying her. And there was a, a, a minimum of a nine-month period, probably an extended period of time, until finally the Bible says another man named Nathan came and called David out for his sin. But there was an extended period of time where David didn't even notice that he had had a relationship break with, with the Lord. Um, there are no Psalms written during this, this period. There is no um, recorded words of the Lord being spoken to David. He didn't, he didn't even notice. I think David started going on with his life and just said, you know, uh, yeah, I made a mistake, but look, I was able to cover it. Bro's dead. I have this, this new wife. She's pregnant. Um, things are moving on with normal, like normal. He didn't notice that that the biggest thing was his relationship with God had been, had been severed. And I think God was waiting for, waiting for David. God gave David an extended period of time, and he was waiting for David to come up to his senses and say, I need to get right with God. I need to deal with this. And, David, and God waited month after month after month after month. And eventually, God waited long enough, and he sent Nathan the prophet to David to call him out from his, from his sin. Um, I said it earlier, but, but the Bible says it in Luke 12, 2. It says, The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed. All that is in secret will be, will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in dark will be heard in light. And what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops um, for all to hear. Uh, sin and, and secret things always, always come to light. Um, it's... It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of, a matter of when. And um, God reveals things in our life not to shame us, not to, not to destroy us. God, God reveals things because once they're revealed, he's able to deal with them and able to, able to heal them. And uh, that can happen one or two ways. God can 
move our hearts to reveal the things to him by our choice, or he can do other things to kind of force, <laughs> force a revealing, um, sometimes through other people, sometimes through a situation. Um, but God's desire is that sin would come out in the open so that he can heal it and he can, he can, he can fix it. Um, there's a story in the Bible of, of a man with a withered hand, and, and the Bible says when, when, when Jesus came to heal him, he first had the man reveal his infirmity before God was able to heal it. He said, he said, man, stretch out your hand. And it was as the man was revealing his issue that God was able to heal it and make it and make it right. Um, God waited for David to, to, to reveal his sin and eventually had to send Nathan the prophet to come and come and do it um, because God's desire is that we would repent before him and we get those things right. Because when we repent, the Bible says God is faithful to forgive. And that, that relationship is, is, is restored. Um, I, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know where your, your life is. But can I just say, if there's an area that you need to repent of, um, this, morning's, this morning's the morning. And I, I can promise you, if you would reveal those things to God... Um, you'd be amazed at how, how quick he is to forgive and how much he wants to, to make it right. Um, there, are, there are sins that um, you can be struggling with, and it can be, you can be one month, two years, <laughs> ten years going, and you can keep thinking that if I try hard enough, it's going to get better. If I close my eyes and pray hard enough, it's going to get better. If I shout loud enough in worship, it's, something's going to change. But can I tell you that... that, that most sins I've seen in my own life, if I don't reveal them, if I don't get honest with them, if I don't, if I don't talk to somebody, um, those things have power over me because they're in, they're in darkness. But the Bible says when things come into the light, darkness no longer has, no longer has power because they're, they've been revealed, they've been exposed. And um, if you would allow the Lord to open some of those things this morning, I promise you um, freedom, uh, freedom can come. And it won't just be freedom for a moment. It would be It'd be freedom. You'd be, you'd be free indeed. Um, that's a prayer for us this morning. So, uh, David finds himself, he's sinned, he's committed adultery, he's committed murder, um, he's made some pretty big mistakes, and uh, there, was a, there was a journey back. Like I said, God sent Nathan the prophet to David um, to help call him out of this sin. Um, the first thing David's journey back was, the first thing was David was, David was convicted. Um, 2 Samuel 12, 5, it says, David was furious after Nathan had shared these things with him. And he said, as surely as the Lord lives, um, any man who, who would do such one of these things, he should, he should die. And Nathan says, David, this man is, it's you. You've actually done these things. And uh, he, he noticed. Um, I just want to ask this this morning. Is your heart open to the conviction of the, of the Holy Spirit? Um, I always test myself and I, I always try to think, when was the last time God asked me to change something in my, in my life. When was the last time I was in prayer and I, I, didn't, I noticed something wasn't okay uh, inside of me? And um, it's just always a good self-check. If, uh, when was the last time um, you felt the Lord challenge you in an area, whether it was purity or, or truthfulness or integrity or whatever it would be? And if you would say it's been a season, um, perhaps you've closed your ears off to hearing from what the Lord wants to, wants to say. Um, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that we're being transformed in the image of the Lord from glory to glory to glory. And, that, and that's a never-ending process. And until we go to heaven, um, there's always areas that need to, need to grow, need to change. Um, I have a checklist that's bigger than this Bible of things I need to be working on regularly. And uh, if you don't have one, two, three things 
always before you, that God's challenged you in, I would just encourage you today to get before the Lord and just say, Lord, um, David prayed it in Psalms 139, Lord, search my heart and know me, test me, see if there's any wicked way inside of me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And just have the Lord do some inventory inside of you and um, uh, always be in a place of growth and growing closer to Him. So, David realized that there was something wrong. Second thing David did was was 2 Samuel 12, 13. It says, Then David confessed to Nathan and said, I have sinned. I have sinned against the Lord. David didn't just feel convicted. David confessed and he he repented. Um, Oftentimes, we can feel that something's wrong and we we leave it there like, Oh, yeah, I feel funny. And then, let me go and move out of this this place and feel better. David didn't just feel bad. He, he took a step and he actually repented of his, of his sin. Um, the word repentance literally means if you were heading in one direction, you've, you've recognized something is wrong. Repentance literally means to turn around 180 degrees and literally walk a different direction than you were once, you were once moving. And, and, and oftentimes, I've seen in my own life, I'll come into a place of the Lord. He'll, he'll speak something to me. I'll notice it and I'll, I'll say, Lord, I'm sorry. But I walk out of that moment and I keep walking the exact same way. And I've, I've recognized sin, but I haven't repented of sin. Because repentance means I've recognized and I actually make a, 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 a noticeable change to walk, out, to walk out different. And so um, it's not just noticing, but it's actually repenting. Um, uh, 2 Samuel 16, 17 uh, says he went without food he laid all night on the ground people pleaded with him to eat he wouldn't get up uh, the, he didn't just repent but his, his life bore fruit of repentance there was, a, there was a, a change that people could see that he was sorry for his, for his sin um, and, and it goes on in, uh, in 25 it says you know the Lord, the Lord forgave him and uh, he was able to walk out of that out, out of out of that thing um, as as he walked. But um, there was a there was there was a no, there was a change. And so um, I just want us to, to stand for a moment. Um, you can put your things down, and I'm going to have the worship team, <clears throat> Melissa, uh, uh, come back up. And um, I want you to just close your eyes. I want you to, to think about your, your life today, where you're at, your, where, you're, where you're seated at. And um, I'm going to read the scripture out of Ezekiel. And I want you to hear um, God's words to, to you this morning. Um, Ezekiel 18, verse 30. It says, repent and turn from your, from your sins. Don't let them destroy you. Put all your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you, for why should you die, O people of Israel? I don't want you to die, says the Lord. I want you to live. Turn back. Turn back and live. Why should your sins, why should your sins destroy you? There is no reason why your struggles should be, should be the end of you. Um, Jesus Christ is alive today. He died on the cross. There's, there's a, an opportunity for forgiveness of sins. And, and there is no reason why beyond today those things should have power or authority over us. There is a, a free opportunity for there to be a shift in our hearts in the areas of sin. Why should your sins destroy you? Turn back. Turn back and live. Um, and uh, what, with your eyes closed, and as we're just praying, um, I, I don't, I, I don't know where you are today. I don't, I don't know your life. I don't know your situations. I don't know what happened last night, last week, last year, last decade. 
But I, I, I know, I know truth. I know that the Lord is here this morning. I know that we're, we're here. We've called upon him. His presence is here. And I know that the Lord desires with all his heart that each one of us would turn to him in a new way. I know that he desires that we would not just recognize our, our areas of struggle. I don't think it, it would take very long or very hard for you to recognize where you're struggling. Most of us know where those areas are. But that we wouldn't just recognize struggle, but we would say, Lord, I, 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 want, to, I want to be open about this. I want to be honest about this. I want, to, I want to stretch out my withered hand so that you could see it and you could, you, you could heal it. I want, to, I want to reveal these things so that I could leave today not just momentarily feeling better, but free indeed, so I can go out and live in the fullness of all God, all, all that God has for me. And so, um, I, I know this may not be normal, it may not be the, the normal thing, but raising hands are great, and that's a, a great thing to do in your seat, but there's something about taking a step of, a step of faith, of, of kind of just being open about some of these things. And so if you're here this morning, it may be all of us, it may be one of us, but if you're here this morning, you would say um, there is an area in your life that you feel is, uh, has been a struggle, it's been a, it's been a temptation, it's been a, an area of sin, and you would say this morning, I, I want to leave here this morning free and free indeed. And you want to just... Get some things right with the Lord this morning. If that's you, um, I'm asking you to just come up front and just be bold and, and come and stand right here. We're going to pray together and uh, uh, just step out of your seat and just take a step of boldness and say, I need to, I need to do some work with the Lord this morning.